0: G'day, 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 and welcome, everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate.
1: And that's the horror junkie, Dominic.
0: And you're listening to Shit and Bricks,
1: a podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff.
0: The sort of fear your arsehole knows about.
1: As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast.
0: All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. I'm a magician. I'm a magician. Pull my finger.
1: (laughs) Imagine if that was your magic act. Oh, God. I'm a magician.
0: I could think of worse acts, to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Hi, Kate.
1: Hi, Dominic. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you today?
0: I'm fabulous. I always say I'm fabulous. I never say that any other time, but only when I'm on this podcast that I'm fabulous.
1: Well, uh, maybe this brings it out in you. The podcast mm. makes you feel more fabulous.
0: <laughs> oh, I think I look pretty good today. I'm, I'm living this all black yeah. fringe hair, got my glasses on so I look smart.
1: Great. You've got to fool people somehow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was so mean. <laughs> it's going to be one of those episodes. Oh, no. oh Full disclosure, I didn't sleep very well last night because i had 900 wines
0: <laughs> and just it's that 900th wine that does it's, it, 899? it 899
1: 899 <laughs> not, not a drama i could still drive but then the 900 poof, no dice so i'm really sorry i started off our pod with such vitriol towards you and your stunning look you do look fabulous
0: please i love it rough <laughs> <laughs>
1: I want to know about this story that you are doing today because I saw the episode title and I don't know what it is.
0: Well, before I get into it, I should probably do our Boo pod shout out of the week.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, a beautiful, lovely gentleman named Alex Morell. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Alex, let me know if I'm not. But Alex is one of our BooPod network members Uh, And he has a podcast called Odd Encounters. And yeah, it's a great title. Um, There's a couple podcasts called Odd Encounters. So don't worry, we're going to link it in all of our socials so you can all find it. But um, And we don't have a promo, like, little trailer for you just yet. I believe Alex is working on it at the moment. So we will share it later on another time. I might even get it before I do the editing, so... You know, we'll see. But um, Odd Encounters, its they're really short, sharp, cute little like episodes. They're only about like 20, 25 minutes max. So you can churn them out relatively quickly. But what's really interesting and cool about his podcast is that he goes out with a little crew of friends to haunted places or paranormal places and mm. actually like records... The episodes from there, they they investigate specific like activities or accounts of paranormal activity. They test it out.
1: That's so cool.
0: They do all the history, so it's like really short and concise, but it's cool because it's done live from these venues, which I just find really cool. That's true commitment. So
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, everybody go check it out if you want something short and sharp because you can't listen to two funny people like Kate and I for an hour. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Which letting you know that's going to happen again for this episode Like we're going to talk to each other for an hour So if you're not sure you're ready for that Then, well, you've always got Odd Encounters
0: Exactly, exactly (laughs) And Alex is such a sweetie So yeah, go check it out But that's our Boopod Network shout out for the week Odd Encounters But to my story, Kate I can't believe neither of us actually it's only the past couple of weeks that i found out who salvador alvarenga is and i'm a bit embarrassed to say that uh, i didn't know it sooner but i've gotten today's story from a guardian article by jonathan franklin and it was written on the 7th of november in 2015 and he did such a good job i'm almost just going to read it verbatim um verbatim. i did a bit of editing and adding in of bits and pieces here but they just did such a great job. But the story of Salvador Elvarenga is pretty much what inspired or is closely inspired the movie Castaway.
1: No way.
0: yeah way. Okay,
1: so that's going to be our <laughs> That's our movie, movie of the week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. I don't and... know who
1: this is. As soon as I saw it, I was like, Salvador Dali, we're doing an episode about Salvador Dali? What did he do that was scary? But then I read it and... It's
0: not the same. No, a few more letters. Different cell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those Salvador Dali's paintings of, you know, the subconscious and dreams and stuff is pretty fucking creepy for some that people. That is true, actually. But no, this one, I'm just, you know, I've been doing survival stories a lot recently, but I've also talked about the fact that, Lost at sea, the ocean and the deep blue sea, all, you know, the monsters and stuff scare the hell out of me. And I'm working up to doing more ocean stories here. But, you know, I thought I would combine a little bit of the pre- past two episodes of Survival Stories and now add in my uber fear of the ocean.
1: Perfect. You are dipping your toe in the water, so to speak. You are Literally. not yet going and swimming in the deep ocean, which, uh, but you are here <laughs> To introduce us to this and build up to your topic. I love it.
0: Yeah. So, this is this week I'm doing the story of the amazing story of Salvador Alvarenga. So, let's get into it. Let's do it. We've dropped our decks. We're popping a squat as we record.
1: We're diving in.
0: Diving in. Okay, here we go. As they motored across the lagoon in the Marshall Islands, deep in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, The policemen stared at the specimen laid out on the deck before them. There was no hiding the fact that this man had been at sea for a considerable time. His hair was matted upwards like a shrub. His beard curled out in wild disarray. His ankles were swollen, his fists tiny. He could barely walk. He refused to make eye contact and often hid his face. Salvador Alvarenga... A then 36-year-old fisherman from El Salvador had left the coast of Mexico in a small boat with a young crewmate 14 months earlier. Now he was being taken to Ibon Adol, the southernmost tip of the Marshall Islands, and the closest town to where he had washed ashore. He was 6,700 miles from the place he had set out from. He had drifted for 438 days.
1: Holy moly.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. That's so many days. How many days are there in a year? Someone <laughs> <laughs> help me. <laughs> 365. 64. 50, 64. Yeah. That's what I <laughs> would say. That was my next guess. Um, so longer than that, longer than a whole year, yeah. an extra hundred and something days.
0: Right. And oh, the yeah. f- miracle flight of 571 was 72 days. Remember this is... Ugh significantly longer, very different conditions though.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: So, floating across the Pacific Ocean, watching the moon's light ebb and flow for over a year, Alvarenga had battled loneliness, depression, and bouts of suicidal thinking. But surviving in a vibrant world of wild animals, vivid hallucinations and extreme solitude did little to prepare him for the fact that he was about to become an international celebrity and an object of curiosity. Hallucinations, I uh, can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Had a great weekend, Kate. (laughs)
1: Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) So he's on an island. Okay, so he wasn't just trapped in his boat for a year. You he will, was on fi- an island.
0: yeah. You'll find out. So Ooh. days later, Alvarenga faced the world's press. Dressed in a baggy brown sweatshirt that disguised his reedy torso, he disembarked from a police boat slowly but unaided. Expecting a gaunt and bedridden victim, a ripple of disbelief went through the crowd. Alvarenga cracked a quick smile and waved to the cameras. Several observers noted a similarity to the Tom Hanks character in the movie Castaway. Boom. The photo of the bearded fisherman shuffling ashore went viral. Briefly, Alvarenga became a household name. Clearly, not in my house. I mean, not
1: my though. house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the first I'm ever hearing of it. This is so great, though. I love these stories.
0: So, who survives 14 months at sea? Ooh. Only a Hollywood screenwriter could write a tale in which such a journey ends happily. I, the author, uh, was sceptical, but as a Guardian reporter in the region, I began to investigate. It turned out there were dozens of witnesses who had seen Alvarenga leave shore, who had heard his S.O.S., and when he washed ashore in the same boat that he had left Mexico in, thousands of miles away, He was steadfast in his rejection of interviews, even posting a note on his hospital door begging the press to disappear. Later, I would sit with Alvarenga for many hours back at his home in El Salvador as he described in detail the brutal realities of living at sea for more than a year. Over the course of more than 40 interviews, he described his extraordinary survival at sea, and this is his story.
1: yes. Bring it on.
0: (laughs) Here we go. On the 18th of November 2012, a day after being ambushed at sea by a massive storm, Alvarenga was trying to ignore the growing pond of seawater sloshing at his feet. An inexperienced navigator might have panicked, starting, uh, start, started bailing and been distracted from his primary task, which is aligning the boat with the waves. He was a veteran captain and knew that he needed to regain the initiative. Together with his inexperienced crewmate, Esquiel Cordoba, he was 50 miles out at sea, slowly negotiating a route back to shore. The spray and crashing waves dumped hundreds of gallons of seawater into the boat, threatening to sink or flip them. While Alvaranga steered, Cordoba was frantically tossing back, tossing water back into the ocean pausing only momentarily to allow his shoulder muscles to recover. Now Alvarenga's boat at 25 feet was as long as two pickup trucks and as wide as one.
1: Perfect, thank you. I need, I need reference because I don't know, so I'm glad that that's in there.
0: Now with no race structure, no glass and no running lights, it was virtually invisible at sea. On the deck, a fiberglass crate the size of a refrigerator was full of fresh fish, tuna, mahamihi, and sharks. That was their catch after a two-day trip. If they could bring it ashore, they would have enough money to survive for a week. Now, the boat was also loaded with equipment, including 70 gallons of gasoline, 16 gallons of water, 23 kilos of sardines for bait... 700 hooks, miles and miles of line, a harpoon, three knives, three buckets for bailing, a mobile phone in a plastic bag, a GPS tracking device which was not waterproof, a two-way radio, the battery was only half charged, and several wrenches for the motor and 91 kilograms of ice. Okay. So that's your, your shopping list.
1: That's the shopping list. So, but it, to me, I mean, it doesn't sound to, that they were, you know, really like they go. We go on a two-day fishing trip, yeah, and then we come back, and this will be enough money for us to survive for a week, and then he's gone for over a year. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, obviously, they're not putting that in the back of their mind that maybe we'll make the GPS tracker waterproof because we're going into the water. Yeah. Um, and maybe we'll charge the radio fully. Who knows? But it's okay. it's
0: kind of cool to have that list of like, well, what's on board, what yeah. can they make do with, what can we do with what we've got. That's immediately what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was like, okay, cool. So we've got some food. We've got some stuff. We have got a phone. It's in a bag. Okay. How's yeah. this going to fit in?
0: And hindsight, such a beautiful oh, thing, which we will absolutely. find out very shortly. Excellent. Now, Alvarenga had prepared the boat with Ray Perez, his usual mate and a loyal companion. But at the very last minute, Perez couldn't join him. Alvaranga, keen to get out to sea, arranged to go with Cordoba instead, a 22-year-old with the nickname Piñata, who lived at the far end of the lagoon, where he was best known as a defensive star on the village soccer team. Alvaranga and Cordoba had never spoken before, much less worked together. Now, Alvaranga tensely negotiated their slow advance toward the coast, maneuvering among the waves like a surfer, trying to glide and slice his way through. As the weather worsened, Cordoba's resolve disintegrated. At times he refused to bail and instead held the rail with both hands, vomiting and crying. He had signed up to make $50. That was all they were going to earn oh, from this. God,
1: yeah. You'd be like, I'm, I didn't sign up for this. Mm. I'm not going to bail water for the rest of my, you know, could be the rest of my life mm. um, for 50 bucks
0: not worth it now he was capable of working 12 hours straight without complaining and was athletic and strong but this crashing soaking journey back to shore he was sure that their tiny craft would shatter and sharks would devour them so he began to just scream
1: great i find that's (sighs) always helpful if you're in a stressful situation (laughs) if someone's able just to stand there and scream that's always going to Settle everybody's nerves, so that's yep. that's good. But I, I also feel where he's coming from. I would probably do the same.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let it out, right? You just got to scream. Now Alvarenga remained sitting, gripping the tiller tightly, determined to navigate a storm now so strong that harbor masters along the coast had barred fishing boats from heading out to sea. You know, goddamn, Correct. you just missed that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cheers. It's like they're the last one to go out, and they were like, oh. Actually, let's make that one the last one to go out. The storm's going to be really bad, but we'll let them go. (laughs) No one else is going out.
0: Yeah. He finally noticed a change in the visibility. The cloud cover was lifting. He could see for miles across the water. At around 9 a.m., Elvarenga spotted the rise of a mountain on the horizon. They were approximately two hours from land when the motor started coughing and spluttering. Good. He pulled out his radio and called his boss. Willy, 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 the motor is ruined. Calm down, man. Give me your coordinates, Willy responded from the beachside docks at Costa Azul. We have no GPS. It's not functioning. Lay the anchor, Willy ordered. We have no anchor, Alvarenga said. He had noticed it was missing before setting off but didn't think he needed it in a deep sea mission. okay. Okay, we're coming to get you, Willy responded. Come now, I'm really getting fucked out here, Alvarenga shouted. And these were his final words to shore. As the waves thumped the boat, Alvarenga and Cordoba began working as a team. With the morning sun, they could see the waves approaching, rising high above them and splitting open. Each man would brace and lean against the side of the open-hulled boat to counteract the roll. But the waves were unpredictable, slapping each other in midair, joining forces to create swells that raised the men to a brief peak where they could get a third story view. Then, with the sensation of a falling elevator, instantly dropped them. Their, and their beach sandals provided them next to no traction on the deck. Yeah. So Alvarenga realized their catch nearly 500 kilos of fresh fish was making the boat top heavy and unstable. Mm. With no time to consult his boss, Elvarengo went with his gut. They would dump all the fish. And one by one, they hauled them out of the cooler, swinging the carcasses into the ocean. Falling overboard was now more dangerous than ever. The bloody fish were sure to attract sharks.
1: Oh, absolutely. I just didn't get, though, just like, just maybe laugh just for a second. Just the picture <laughs> of someone just like, you know. Like a <laughs> <laughs> trunch ball when she grabs the kid by Kids. the coat house and <laughs> <laughs> wee! <laughs> like so with these giant fish. I mean, awful scenario. Obviously, we're not <laughs> making fun of them, but that's what I pictured straight away. <laughs> Whatever
0: gets you through the story. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's the point.
1: <laughs> so they're chumming the waters and yeah. they've got little beach sandals on. I assume crocs or something. <laughs> Um, well, fucking so crocs. they're slipping. <laughs> they're, so they're slipping and sliding, getting smashed with waves. Still, the storm is still going. Mm. Oh, okay.
0: I mean, and oh. I don't believe the storm went for all that long, but the fact is that once you are out that far at sea, it doesn't even mm. need to be stormy. The way the sheer size of waves out at deep sea—it's it, mm. just phenomenal, anyway. Yeah. And they're not in a boat that's equipped for this whatsoever. No, definitely not. So furious, he picked up a heavy club normally used to kill fish and began to bash the broken engine. Next, they tossed the ice and extra gasoline. Alvarenga strung 50 boys from the boat as a makeshift sea anchor that floated on the surface, providing drag and stability. But at around 10am, the radio died completely. It was before noon on day one of a storm that Alvarenga knew was likely to last for five days. Ugh. Losing the GPS had been an inconvenience, to say the least.
1: Yeah, definitely agree. <laughs> I agree with that statement.
0: The failed motor was an absolute disaster, and now, without radio contact, they were on their own. The storm roiled the men all afternoon as they fought to bail water out of the boat. The same muscles, the same repetitive motion hour after hour had allowed them to dump perhaps half the water. Mm. They were both ready to faint from exhaustion, but Alvarenga was also furious. He picked up a heavy club normally used to kill fish and began to bash the broken engine again. Mm -hmm. Then he grabbed the radio and GPS unit and angrily threw them uh, into the water. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I I know they're not
1: working, but but, like, (laughs) really? Really?
0: That's a tantrum.
1: Yeah, that's a tanty. It's a full ocean tanty.
0: Now the sun sank and the storm churned as Cordoba and Alvaranga succumbed to the cold. They turned the refrigerator-sized icebox upside down and huddled inside. Mm. Soaking wet and barely able to clench their cold hands into fists, they hugged and wrapped their legs around each other. But as the incoming water sank the boat for even further, the men took turns leaving the icebox to bail for frantic, frantically for ten to fifteen minutes. Progress was slow, but the pond at their feet gradually grew smaller. Darkness shrank their world as a gale-force wind ripped offshore and drove the men farther out to sea. Oh, good. Were they now back to where they were, where they had been fishing a day earlier? No. Where were they heading? towards Acapulco or southern towards Panama with only the stars as guides. They had lost their usual means of calculating distance. So mm. they didn't even know where they were going. Without bait or fish hooks, Alvaranga invented a daring strategy to catch fish. He kneeled alongside the edge of the boat, his eyes scanning for sharks and shoved his arms into the water up to his shoulders. With his chest tightly pressed to the side of the boat, he kept his hands steady a few inches apart. When a fish swam between his hands, he smashed them shut, digging his fingernails into the rough scales. Many escaped, but soon Alvarenga mastered the tactic and he began to grab the fish and toss them into the boat while trying to avoid their teeth.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: With the fishing knife, Cordoba expertly cleaned and sliced the flesh into finger-sized strips that were left to dry in the sun. They ate fish after fish, and Alvarenga stuffed raw meat and dried meat into his mouth, hardly noticing or caring about the difference. When they got lucky, they were able to catch turtles and the occasional flying fish that landed inside their boat.
1: Wow.
0: Within days, Alvarenga began to drink his urine and encourage Cordoba to follow suit. It was salty but not revolting as he drank, he urinated, drank again, peed again, in a cycle that felt as if it was providing at least minimal hydration
1: but beer grills has taught us that you shouldn't do that it's just the first one you can have because then when you keep having the other ones they just become more and more toxic so there's our survival tip for you for this episode is you can if you need to drink your pp you can but just do the first one so make sure you hold it hold it hold it for a really good one that's going to fill up a big bottle (laughs) and then you can drink that but don't drink it after you've had it that's what i've learned
0: And it actually exacerbates dehydration, so... Oh, okay. There you go. Now, despite their longing for liquid, they resisted swallowing even a cupful of the endless salt water that surrounded them. Obviously, don't drink seawater.
1: Good move. Yep, that's a secondary tip. Drink your pee, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but don't drink seawater.
0: I was so hungry that I was eating my own fingernails, (gasps) swallowing all the little pieces, Alvarenga later told. Oh. He began to gran- grab, grab uh, jellyfish from the water, scooping them up in his hands and swallowing them whole. Oh. He said it burned the top part of his throat, but it wasn't so bad.
1: Oh, okay. Mm. Right.
0: Now, after roughly 14 days at sea, Elvarenga was resting inside the icebox when he heard a sound. Splat, splat, splat. The rhythm of raindrops on the roof was unmistakable. Piñata, 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 Alvarenga screamed as he slipped out. His crewmate awoke and joined him. Rushing across the deck, the two men deployed a rainwater collection system that Alvarenga had been designing and imagining for a week. Cordoba scrubbed a grey five-gallon bucket clean and positioned its mouth skyward. Dark clouds stalked overhead and after days of drinking urine and turtle blood, the nearly dark and nearly dying of thirst, a storm finally bore down on the men. They opened their mouths to the falling rain, stripped off their clothes, and showered in a glorious deluge of fresh water. Within an hour, the bucket had an inch, then two inches of water. The men laughed and drank every couple of minutes. After their initial attack on the water supplies, however, they vowed to maintain strict rations. Good. Now, it... Timeline gets a little bit hazy here, Kate, because obviously... You they know, were drinking
1: their own urine, so they've
0: become knows? a bit cuckoo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe they slipped a little, just a little thimble of ocean water. Yeah. But that's okay. I won't hold it against you.
0: So after weeks at sea, El Varenga and Cordoba began astute, became astute scavengers and learned to distinguish the varieties of plastic that bob across the ocean. They grabbed and stored every empty water bottle they found. When a stuffed green rubbish bag drifted within reach, the men snared it, hauled it aboard and ripped open the plastic. Inside one bag, they found a wad of chewed gum and divided the almond-sized lump, each man feasting on the wealth of sensational pleasures. Underneath a layer of sodden kitchen oil, they found riches. Half a head of cabbage, some carrots and a quart of milk. It was half rancid, but they still drank it. It was the first... Fresh food the two men had seen for a long time.
1: Um, They've been ripping fish out of the ocean and eating them. That's as fresh as it gets. Yes. Like, that's fresher than Nobu, guys. Like, just <laughs> chill out on your fresh food. Don't be, you know, poo-pooing the turtles that you drank. Yeah. You know, you did okay. But Eat your sushi. That. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that garbage bag just like floating along in the ocean like you're thankful for litter. Yep. Far out.
0: How the world has changed. Ooh. hmm They treated themselves to the soggy carrots as well, and they said it was their absolute favourite thing.
1: Treat yourself.
0: Now, when they had several days' worth of backup food, and especially after they had caught and eaten a turtle, Cordoba and Alvaranga briefly found solace in the magnificent seascape. We would talk about our mothers, Alvaranga recalled, and how badly we had behaved. We asked God to forgive us for being such bad sons, and we imagined if we could hug them, Give them a kiss, we promised to work harder so they would not have to work anymore, but this but it was too late. After two months at sea, Alvaranga had become accustomed to capturing and eating birds and turtles, while Cordoba had begun a physical and mental decline. Mm. They were on the same boat but headed on different paths. Cordoba had been sick after eating raw seabirds and made a drastic decision. He began to refuse all food. He gripped a plastic water bottle in both hands but was losing the energy and motivation to put it up to his mouth. Alvarenga offered tiny chunks of bird meat, occasionally a bite of turtle, but Cordoba just clenched his mouth. Depression was shutting his body down. Two two
1: months
0: on a boat. I know.
1: That's a long time. I mean, even on like a cruise.
0: That's
1: a long time. And these guys, I'm just curious, how... Like, how do they eat the, the turtle? Like, do they just eat the, the meat off the turtle?
0: Yeah, I'd imagine they'd okay. probably open it up. And... I don't
1: think that, that sounds very nice. No. Okay. I mean, nothing about this whole <laughs> thing is particularly nice, but I'm hung up on the turtle situation, but okay. <laughs>
0: do you know what I like? They didn't make the same mistake as your UFO friend did and put a wood fire in a UFO. At least they That's didn't try. So...
1: <laughs> They haven't tried to make a bonfire on their timber boat? That's yep. a shock. Okay.
0: <laughs> now the two men made a pact. If Cordoba has survived, he would travel to El Salvador and visit Alvarenga's mother and father. If Alvarenga made it out alive, he'd go back to Chiapas, Mexico and find Cordoba's devout mother who had remarried an evangelical preacher. He asked me to tell his mother that he was sad he could not say goodbye and that she shouldn't make any more tamales for him. They should let him go, that he had gone with God, Alvarenga told me. I am dying, I am dying, I am almost gone, Cordoba said one morning. Don't think about that, let's take a nap, Alvarenga replied as he lay alongside Cordoba. I am tired, I want water, Cordoba Cordoba moaned. His breath was rough. And Alvarenga retrieved the water bottle and put it to Cordoba's mouth, but he just would not swallow. Instead, he stretched out, his body shook in short convulsions. He groaned and his body tensed up. Alvarenga suddenly panicked and he screamed into Cordoba's face, Don't leave me alone, you have to fight for life. What am I going to do here alone? To deal with losing his companion, Alvarenga simply pretended he hadn't died. How do you feel, he would ask the corpse. Obviously Cordoba didn't reply, and moments later he had died with his eyes open. Alvaringa says, I propped him up to keep him out of the water. I was afraid a wave might wash him out of the boat. I cried for hours, and the next morning he stared at Cordoba in the bow of the boat. He asked the corpse, how do you feel? How was your sleep? I slept good, and you? Have you had breakfast? Alva answered on his own. He answered his own questions aloud, as if he were here. So Cordoba was speaking to him from the afterlife. He thought.
1: Okay. Yeah. So this is that sort of Wilson inspo sort yeah. of thing from Castaway. That is really sad.
0: Absolutely. You know, like
1: you're so. That's the only companionship that you have in an already shitty situation. And yeah, you can. Oh, that's really sad.
0: Yeah, the easiest way to deal with losing his only companion was simply to pretend he just hadn't died. Mm. So six days after Cordoba's death, Alvarenga sat with the corpse on a moonless night in full conversation when, as if waking from a dream, he was suddenly shocked to find he was conversing with the dead. First, I washed his feet. His clothes were useful, so I stripped off a pair of shorts and a sweatshirt. I put that on. It was red with a little skull and crossbones. And then I dumped him in, and as I slid him into the water, I fainted.
1: Oh.
0: When he awoke, just minutes later, Alvaranga was terrified. What could I do alone without anyone to speak with, he told me. Why had he died and not me? I had invited him to fish. I blame myself for his death. But his will to live and fear of suicide, uh, he was rather religious, and his mm-hmm. mother had assured him that those who kill themselves will never go to heaven, That kept him searching for solutions and sourcing the ocean surface for ships. Sunrise and sunset were best, as blurry shapes on the horizon were transformed into neat silhouettes and the sun was bearable. With his eyesight fine-tuned, Alvarenga could now identify a tiny speck on the horizon as a ship. As it approached, he would identify the type of vessel, usually a transpacific container ship, as it growled by. These sea barges ploughed the sea effortlessly, and with no visible crew or activity on deck, they were like drones at sea. Every sighting pumped Alvarenga with an energy boost that jolted him to wave, jump, and flail for hours. About 20 separate container boats paraded across the horizon, yet the maddening ship tease still excited him. Oh. Storms battered his small boat, but as he got farther out to sea, the storm seemed to become shorter and more manageable.
1: So he's seen 20 boats.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, imagine that. But I guess it's for those container ships. They're not looking for anybody because nobody knows he's out there. They would assume that the boat's capsized and it's gone and it would be really hard. I mean, it's only two pickup trucks in the ocean. Like, that's it. So these big containers are not going to be looking out for him.
0: Not at all. He's nigh invisible. Yeah. The white caps of waves and stuff, he'd look exactly the same.
1: Exactly. Oh, poor guy.
0: Now, Alvarenga let his uh, imagination run wild in order to keep sane. He imagined an alternative reality so believable that he could later say with total honesty that alone at sea, he tasted the greatest meals of his life and experienced the most delicious sex.
1: (laughs) That's just because he's like getting ship teased yeah. all day long. That's what he's decided.
0: I mean, dude, if you are wandering around your ship jerking off 24-7, I'm sure boats are probably not going to pick you up.
1: But Exactly. They're going to leave you to your, your own time. It's obviously he needs a moment. He wants some self-time. We're going to just keep on keeping up.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was mastering the art of turning his solitude into a Fantasia-like world. He started his mornings with a long walk. He said, I would stroll back and forth on the boat and imagine that I was wandering the world. By doing this, I could make myself believe that I was actually doing something, not just sitting there thinking about dying. With this lively entourage of family, friends, and lovers, Alvarenga insulated himself from bleak reality. When he was a small boy, his grandfather had taught him how to keep track of time using the cycles of the moon. And now alone in the open ocean, he was always clear as to how many months he had been adrift. He knew he'd seen 15 lunar cycles while drifting through unknown territory. He was convinced his next destination was heaven, though.
1: So you can't keep time. Like he doesn't know where he is, but he knows how long he's been out there. Mm. I feel like I would be making up scenarios in my head, too, (laughs) because it got me like, you know, he'd rather do that then just think about dying all day. Yeah. Good for, good for Salvador.
0: He was whizzing along on a smooth current when suddenly the sky filled with, the shore, with shorebirds. Alvarenga just stared, the muscles in his neck tightened and a tropical island emerged from the mist.
1: Oh.
0: A green Pacific atoll, a small hill surrounded by a kaleidoscope of turquoise waters. So 15 months, and he finally sees an island. Wow. Now hallucinations didn't last this long, he told himself. Had his prayers finally been answered? Alvarenga's racing mind imagined multiple disaster scenarios. He could blow off course, he could drift backward. It had happened before. He stared at the land as he tried to pick out details from the shore. It was a tiny island, no bigger than a football field. He calculated it looked wild without roads cars or homes now with his knife he cut away the ragged line of buoys it was a drastic move in the open ocean with no sea anchor he could readily flip during even a moderate tropical storm but Alvarenga could see the shoreline clearly and he gambled that speed was of greater importance than stability in an hour he had drifted near the island's beach Ten yards from shore, Alvarenga dove into the water, then paddled like a turtle until a large wave picked him up and tossed him high on the beach, like driftwood. As the wave pulled away, Alvarenga was left face down in the sand. And he says, I held a handful of sand like it was a treasure. The famished fisherman crawled naked through a carpet of sodden palm fronds, sharp coconut shells and tasty flowers. He was unable to stand for more than a few seconds. I was totally destroyed and as skinny as a board, he said. The only thing left was my intestines and gut plus skin and bones. My arms had no meat. My thighs were skinny and ugly.
1: Oh, he doesn't need to be calling himself ugly. He's just been through a time.
0: Yeah, no body shaving on this podcast, remember? Exactly
1: right. I'm sure he was very handsome in his own way for someone that has been at sea for 15 months mm. he needs to give himself some
0: credit although he didn't know it Alvarenga had washed ashore on the tile inlet a small island that is part of the ebon Atoll, on the southern tip of the 1156 islands that make up the republic of the marshall islands one of the most most remote spots on earth perfect A boat leaving Ebon searching for land would either have to churn 4,000 miles northeast to hit Alaska or 2,500 miles southwest to Brisbane, Australia.
1: That's where we live. I I mean, in Australia, not in Brisbane, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's the only two options.
0: (laughs) Mexico all the way, you know, and... Brisbane's closest, pretty intense. I'll definitely put a map up so you can all see the journey that he took. Yeah. Had Alvarenga missed Ebon, he would have drifted north of Australia, possibly running aground in Papua New Guinea, but more likely continuing another 3,000 miles towards the eastern coast of the Philippines. Wow. And the Marshall Islands are tiny. Like, the chances of him hitting this are pretty intense. You've got, yeah. you've got to see a map to, to get it. Okay. As he stumbled through the undergrowth, he suddenly found himself standing across a small canal from the beach house of Emmy Libok, Libokmeto and her husband Russell. Oh. As I'm looking across, I see this white man there, said Emmy, who works husking and drying coconuts on the island. He's just yelling. He looks weak, he looks hungry. My first thought was this person swam here. He must have fallen off a ship. After tentatively approaching each other, Emmy and Russell welcomed him into their home. Alvarenga drew a boat, a man, and the shore. Then he just gave up. How could he explain a 7,000 mile drift at sea with stick figures?
1: Jeez.
0: His impatience simmered. He asked for medicine, he asked for a doctor, The native couple smiled and kindly shook their heads. Even though we did not understand each other, I began to talk and talk, Alvarenga told me. The more I talked, the more we all roared with laughter. I'm not sure why we were laughing. I was just laughing at being saved.
1: Yeah, you would, you'd be hysterical. Yeah. Oh, wowie.
0: Now, after a morning of caring for and feeding the castaway, Russell sailed across a lagoon to the main town and port on the island of Ebon to ask the mayor for help. Within hours a group, including police and a nurse, had come to rescue Elvarenga. They had to persuade him to get on a boat with them back to Ebon.
1: Oh yeah, you'd be you'd have a bit of a that'd be a soft spot that one. Yeah. <laughs> I really prefer not to go on a boat ever again haven't you got a helicopter yeah (laughs) got anything else oh hovercraft something
0: now while they nursed this wild looking man back to health and tried to coax out details of his journey a visiting anthropologist from norway alerted the marshall islands journal written by Giff johnson the first story went out under the agents france press afp banner on the 31st of january and outlined the remarkable contours of alvarenga's story reporters in hawaii los angeles and australia scrambled to reach the island to interview this alleged castaway Mm. the single phone line on ebon became a battleground as reporters (sighs) tried to discover tantalizing details yeah Alvarenga's story had enough hard facts to make it plausible. The initial missing person report, the search and rescue operation, the correlation of his drift with known ocean currents, and the fact that he was extremely weak and looked like shit. Like, Mm. come on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Someone's not going to make that up. (laughs) Imagine the effort you've got to go to, the commitment. Yeah, this is what I look like and I ate turtles for 10 months (laughs) and now you're trying to tell me my story is not true.
0: (laughs) Go back to sea. Yeah, (laughs) But a debate erupted online and in newsrooms around the world. Was this the most remarkable survivor since Ernest Shackleton or the biggest fraud since the Hitler diaries? Uh, Officials tracked down Alvarenga's supervisor who confirmed that the registration number of the boat he had washed up in was the same as the one that had left port on the 17th of November 2012 and completely vanished. Guardian reporter Joe Tuckman interviewed Mexican search and rescue official Jane Marroquin, who detailed the desperate hunt for Elvarenga and Cordoba that followed. The winds were high, Marroquin said. We had to stop the search flights after two days because of poor visibility. I, Jonathan Franklin, began to investigate, talking to people up and down the coast of Mexico. I looked at medical records, studied maps, and spoke to survival experts ranging from the U.S. Coast Guard to the Navy SEALs, as well as Ivan McFadden and Jason Lewis, two adventurers who had crossed that stretch of the Pacific. I spoke with oceanographers and commercial fishermen familiar with the area, and everyone confirmed that Alvarenga's version of life at sea was in line with what they would expect. When he arrived at hospital in the Marshall Islands, he was debriefed by the US embassy officials who described multiple scars on Alvarenga's very damaged body. Ooh. He must have been out there for a very long time, the US amb- ambassador said. Now meanwhile back in the Marshall Islands, Alvarenga's medical condition steadily worsened. Oh no! His feet and legs were so swollen. Now the doctor suspected the tissues had been deprived of water for so long that they now soaked up everything. Oh, oh. I, I know.
1: That doesn't sound pleasant.
0: Sponge ankles is not yeah. a good look.
1: Spanjels. Mm. Spit! No, I tried to do it. <laughs> I'm not operating at my peak levels today, David. Because you don't
0: have a wine in your hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't need a wine in my hand ever again. <laughs>
0: But after 11 days, doctors determined that Alvarenga's health had stabilised enough for him to travel home to El Salvador where he would be reunited with his family. He was diagnosed with anemia and doctors suspected his diet of raw turtles and raw birds had infected his liver with parasites. Mm. Alvarenga believed the parasites might rise up to his head and attack his brain. Deep sleep was impossible and he thought often of Cordoba's death It was not the same to be celebrating survival alone, and as soon as he was strong enough he travelled to Mexico to fulfil his promise and deliver a message to Cordoba's mother, Ana Rosa. He sat with her for two hours answering all of her questions. Life on land has not been straightforward for months, for Alvarenga was still in shock. He had developed a deep fear of not only the ocean but even the sight of water. He slept with the lights on and needed constant company. Soon after coming ashore, he appointed a lawyer to handle the media requests that came in from all over the world. He later changed representation and his former lawyer filed a lawsuit demanding a million-dollar payout for an alleged breach of contract, which, I just Uh, leave this person alone.
1: Leave the man alone, yeah.
0: Now, it wasn't until a year later when the fog of confusion subsided and he scanned the maps of his drift across the Pacific Ocean, that Alvarenga began to fathom his extraordinary journey. For 438 days, he lived on the edge of sanity. I suffered hunger, thirst, and extreme loneliness, and it didn't take my life, Alvarenga says. You only get one chance to live, so appreciate it. And that is the story of Salvador Alvarenga.
1: Oh, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was going to be that he was living on an island for that period of time, but he was on his boat. That Mm. is even worse. Imagine the seasickness. I suppose that would be the last of your problems, really. But still, that is wild.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was... Like I know I started this episode talking about the fear of the ocean and obviously Mm -hmm. that's very still real for for me and one day I'll do an episode on, you know, the things that live in the ocean and how deep things are. I'll go through all of that sort of stuff but I've always been fascinated with being lost at sea and the fear is not so much the ocean itself. I mean, of course, sharks, blah, 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 that's... that would you know, paralyze me with fear. But it's also then like the psychological sort of Yeah. The fear of loneliness, which I know I've talked about previously, you Mm -hmm. know, fear of death and survival and all that sort of stuff. I just again it's those survival stories that really fascinate me lately because I think they're such a great window into how shit and bricks they are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's a theme. It's a bit of a um, you know, it kind of goes along with a lot of our stories is you know your, your brain can just be so fucked and what's what does it take for you to go over the edge and what does it take for you to keep yourself on the other side of sanity like you know Salvador was pretending that he was you know taking walks all around the world and he's on the same like you know 10-15 meters of his boat mm. but like what where does that come from like it's just fascinating yeah so I always find them really really interesting and I really enjoyed that one I can't believe I mean for a household name I wasn't aware, so mm. <laughs> I'm glad you shared that story.
0: We'll never forget Salvador Alvarenga yeah, now, exactly so, right. Yeah, go and away. it's a relatively recent story, too. So,
1: yeah, yeah, <sighs>
0: amazing! Anyway, there you Thank go. Thank you so much
1: for sharing, Dominique. You're just such a fancy pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am actually wearing my fancy pants today. I'm wearing my floral oh my pants God, today. You
1: really are, they're really nice.
0: Mm.
1: I like them. Well, how exciting! I'm going to tell a story. Um, for next uh, for our next episode and it's exciting because Dominic and I are actually going to catch up in IRL mm. in in real life uh, and record so that will be fun
0: we haven't done and, that in a while
1: I know, it's been so long um, so that will be really fun and I'm looking forward to that
0: yay, oh my goodness thanks so much Kate for sticking around
1: no worries, I'm contractually obliged so <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't forget to check out odd encounters it's on all the streaming services alex shout out to you again and to the rest of our blue pod network and everybody please go check out our socials There are games they are questions for you there are chances to participate and laugh and giggle and write in and all that cool fun stuff so please go check us out and rate and review us as usual it really really helps us and Absolutely. Other than that all i think right. that's a wrap
1: That's a wrap. See you
0: all next week. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: That's a wrap. Big shout-out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials.
1: Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in.
0: And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.